Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. All right, well, morning, everyone. Um, I don't know about you, but that Mother's Day video was fantastic. Nice job, everyone. It was really exciting to see all our kiddos. Um, and again, as Ben said, uh, you know, thanks to Megan uh, and Aaron. You guys are doing such a fantastic job uh, for, our, for the Renew community in this season. So we're really grateful for that. Um, I wanted us to begin this morning to invite you to think about a time in the last two weeks where you experienced joy. And if you could go ahead and post them in the chat, that would be fantastic. Some of you might be thinking, I don't know where the chat is. There's a, there's a button at the bottom of the screen that says chat. Click on that and then you can post it for everyone to see. But I'd love just to fill our chat room with moments where we notice joy that God has placed in our hearts. So if you could do that for a few minutes, I think that would be helpful just to get us started. Um, in house church last week, it was... A really, it, for us, it was a really rich conversation around John chapter six. Uh, we had a great opportunity. Hold on one second. Don't move. Don't take the table. Okay. All right. Sorry. Um, we had a great opportunity to look at some really fantastic passages uh, in six. So we got to see Jesus feeding the five thousand. We had a chance to watch him walk on water, and uh, a chunk of the chapter was him conversing with the religious leaders who have been wrapped up and caught up in the spirit of religion. And so Jesus makes this amazing claim. It's the first of seven claims that he makes where he uses the statement, I am. And so Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And for many of us, that might not land as heavy or as hard as it would to the Greeks and Jews who heard that for that first time when Jesus made that statement. And it's a statement that puts Jesus equal with God. And so when he says that, there's something that is unleashed and unlocked in heaven. And it's also unleashed and unlocked on earth as well. Uh, we saw that even this morning as Tim was teaching through the Exodus, when, when God comes to Moses and says, I am, that's his name. And so for Jesus to make this statement is a huge statement for the hearers of that. And that's why the religious leaders got really mad at Jesus when he said that. But Jesus doesn't just stop there. He goes, he goes into something really wild and crazy when he says, you must eat, if you want salvation, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And people left Jesus in droves because that was a hard teaching. And we see this, this amazing story at the end where he's standing there with the disciples. He said, are you guys going to leave too? And they say, where else would we go? And so that's where we are as we come to chapter seven this morning. And I'm grateful that we're teaching through a gospel because I don't get to pick and choose, but I have a chance to follow the story and to see what the spirit is speaking to us this morning. I'm grateful that Tim is, has us, our kids and us, well, more our kids, but us really in, in, in many ways that we're camping out in the Exodus because John's gospel, there are these echoes that come back and forth from the Exodus into the story and from the Old Testament into the story of the gospel of John. And so this morning, when we start chapter seven, we find Jesus back in Galilee with his family. And his family is getting ready to go to the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, which is also known as Sukkot. And so Jesus goes to a ton of feasts 
And in the Old Testament, this there's a rhythm of feasts uh, for the Israelites to follow that God institutes. And these were days of remembrance backwards and remembrance forwards. And each year, they had these seven specific feasts that we find in Leviticus 23. In the spring, there were three. We see, uh, we see the Passover, the unleavened bread, and the first fruits. And they were celebrated together. And these feasts remembered Israel's deliverance from Egypt, God's gift of the promised land, and the spring harvest. Now, 50 days after Passover came another feast called Shavuot, sometimes called Pentecost, which celebrated the end of the grain harvest and the anniversary of the giving of the law to the people of God on Mount Sinai. And in the fall, there are also three other feasts. And so we see the holy day of Rosh Hashanah, also known as the Feast of Trumpets. And we see Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when Israel went before the Lord and asked for forgiveness to escape his judgments. And after these two feasts came the most joyous one of all, the only feast that God commanded his people to rejoice before him in Leviticus 23:40, And it's called the Feast of Tabernacles. And some rabbis wrote that it was the most ruckus celebration that anyone could ever see in the history of the world. And so how cool is it to think that God had this feast where we actually came and celebrated? The entire purpose was to make merry and to celebrate God's goodness and to celebrate before the Lord, that we serve a God who wants us to celebrate before him. And so a little history of this feast. It's the third and final feast of the fall festivals. And it's also the seventh and final festival of the year. And it was celebrated for seven days. It was also known as the season of our joy. It's when the people would come to Jerusalem and they would build these booths, as you can see in the picture, or these small dwellings out of palm, olive, and myrtle branches. And these booths were used to provide shade and shelter. But one of the things that you needed to do is make sure you didn't make the roof too solid, but you had to be able to see through and to look up at the sky during the day and during the night, because it was a reminder of God's provision in the wilderness. And so this feast took place at the end when the harvest was finished. And it was this yearly reminder that God is with them, that he dwells with them, that he protects them, that he blesses them wherever they go. It was a time to praise God for the gift of freedom, to praise God for the gift of land, and to praise God for the gift of the harvest. And so in that, there are these really interesting customs that we begin to find. The Pharisees has, had adopted a custom based on God's command in Leviticus 23:40. They took the branches of, the, of these three trees, the olive, the palm, and the myrtle, and they tied them together, holding this cluster of branches called the lulavim in one hand and a lemon or a fruit, a fruit that looked like a lemon in the other. It's called a citron. And they would carry them to the temple every day for seven days of the festival. And here the people, even the youngest children, would wave their branches and would wave them joyously as they danced and sang and they chanted the halal, which was a, a prayer that Psalm 113 through 118 that was prayed throughout this time. Uh, in the time of great celebration rivaling any holiday that the world had known, the procession of priests who made the festive sacrifice, literally hundreds of animals were offered. They would carry the water and the wine to be poured into the silver funnels on the altar, and they would lead men and boys in this exciting time of celebrating before the Lord. But whenever they came to the Hosanna, Psalm 118.25, they waved their lulavim toward the altar and they sang, O Lord, save us, O Lord, grant us success. 
And after several hours of intense rejoicing before the Lord, the people returned to their booths to eat, to rest, and to prepare for the next day of celebration. That's one day. And so there was another special element that began to emerge during the celebration of Sukkot. Uh, and it, is in, it involved living water. Because this holiday took place at the end of the harvest, it was also the end of the dry season. And the rains needed to begin immediately to ensure a harvest the following year. And thus the celebration of God's harvest was coupled with fervent prayer for next year's rains. And some believe that this, this came from Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple in 2 Chronicles 6. He prayed that God would forgive the sins of the people when they prayed toward the temple, and the people would pray that God would not withhold the rains. The people knew that no rain meant no life. And so the priest added the ceremony that included prayer for rain. And they have based this ceremony on Isaiah 12, 3. Some believe this. And it's this beautiful passage that says, with joy you draw water from the wells of salvation. And so what this looked like is a procession of priests accompanied by musicians would leave from the temple. They would go to the pool of Siloam and one of the priests would fill a golden pitcher with water. And the procession would return to the temple and the priest carrying the pitcher there would be a blast of a shofar as he approached the altar and he made one circle around the altar as the crowd continued to sing the halal. And then the priest would climb the ramp, stand near the top of the altar. And as the crowd grew silent, the priest would solemnly pour the water into one of the funnels. And again, the people accompanied by a choir would begin to chant the halal. And the sound was so deafening because of the thousands of people that were jammed into these temple courts that you could hear from all over the city and all over the valley. And in this way, they asked, they begged, they pleaded with God to send life-giving rain, that the living water that they used was an acknowledgement that it was God who brought the rain and the life. And the chant of Hosanna, Lord, save us, now apparently meant save us by sending rain as well. And so this seems hardly possible, but the celebration became even more intense as the week drew to a close. And we come to the seventh day of the festival when it arrived, the courts of the temple were packed with worshipers, chants of praise were heard from all throughout the city and thousands of lulavim waved in the air and the priestly procession went out to get the living water from the pool of Siloam. As a massive crowd waited expectantly, the sacrifices were offered and the priests chanted, Hosanna, Hosanna, O Lord, save us, O Lord, grant us success. And the procession returned. Hundreds of priests chanted the Hosanna, deliver us, save us. And thousands of people jammed into the temple courts. The procession circled the altar seven times, remembering the walls of Jericho, which fell because of the seven circuits because of God's great power. And there were, there were three blasts from the trumpet and the crowd grew still as the priest poured the living water. And then comes the next verse in Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then the waving of the lulavim reached a frenzy as the branches were beaten against the ground and the, until the leaves fell off. And gradually the people would fall silent as they returned, exhausted to take down their booths and to journey home. And so my friends, this is the context in which we come to when we come to John 
37, 7, 37 through 39. And some believe that as Jesus is making this statement, that he is in the temple courts, and this is right as the, as the priest is getting ready to pour the altar, and everything becomes silent. And Jesus says this, it says this, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and in a loud voice said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink water. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And so, brothers and sisters, the question that comes to us this morning is, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? This Jesus who comes to us in this place, who offers living water, gives us this beautiful opportunity for life and abundance and joy, that Jesus offers this living water water to us today. Are you thirsty? Does your soul feel like the glass that is dirty held on the one hand and you're longing for your soul to feel like the glass on the other hand? That this God who makes the dwelling place among men, who builds a tabernacle, who moves into the neighborhood, who stands with us, a God who has not forsaken us or left us, that he offers us streams of living water the promised Holy Spirit. Renew, I really believe that this living water is deeply, deeply connected with joy. When the Spirit comes on the people of God, when we look at the Old Testament stories, when the Spirit comes on David, it says he danced like a wild man. When the Spirit comes on the people in the book of Acts, on the, the church gathered early in Acts, it says that people thought they were drunk. There was something amazing about the presence of God showing up in the people's lives. And so this living water creates this deep sense of joy. And in some ways, it's kind of hard to talk about joy in this, in this difficult season right now. In some ways, it feels like it's almost irresponsible or insensitive even to be preaching the passage where Jesus is in the midst of the most joyful celebration that the world has ever known, claiming to be the source of this joy. But Jesus aligns our hearts in this moment, and he invites us into this space of asking him for the water in which that would feed our soul. Our provision does not come from anywhere else but the Lord. If anything, these last few months and weeks have taught me is that my paycheck, my money, my provision, my house, my shelter, none of these things come from my hard work, but they are a gift that generates and that begins and ends in God. Our provision does not come from anywhere else but the Lord. Our freedom does not come from anywhere else but the Lord. Our safety does not come from anywhere else but the Lord. The Lord is the one who gives us all of these beautiful things. And Renew, I'm convinced that as we move into a time of healing, a time of healing of our nation post-coronavirus or through coronavirus, that it is because of the, the racial and the social and economic wounds of injustice that, that we see running rampant, this is, an, this is a season when the healing 
of God's pouring out of his new water, his living water on us, comes in joy. And so, brothers and sisters, our joy is made complete in Jesus. And what would it look like? I want us to just get a picture for a moment in our hearts to recognize that maybe the calling and the sending of the people of God in this season is, is a sending that one that is infused and full of joy. And I understand that that's a choice. Joy is a choice that we have to make, and it is a hard choice to make in the season in which we live. But my friends, Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Maybe this feast, some scholars have said that, that the, the seven feasts are just these beautiful images of the feast to come, that the last and greatest feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, is like this picture of what it's going to be like when we sit at the throne room of God together as a healed people, as a people who are diverse, as a people where righteousness has run wild and rampant, where injustice has been shut out, and we come before the Lord, and the trumpet sounds, and the water is poured, and the feast begins. And so, my friends, I believe that we're in a season where we need to choose joy, that the greatest way for us to love people well in this season is to be joyful. Now, what that doesn't mean is to go around happy all the time. It doesn't mean this American sense of happiness. But what it means is that we recognize that our provision and all the things, as we look at all these beautiful spaces in the midst of our chat right now, this is what it looks like to embody joy, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives, to point out the spaces where he was at work in the week and to be people that proclaim that from the rooftop. Because we're a people where even if we die, even if a virus takes our life, we're, we are safe in Christ. We are present in Christ. We are with him. And so I want us to take a few minutes. We're going to break into some chat rooms. And I want us to talk about some, some really quick questions. So I want to give you a minute to just jot these down. And so when we think about that word Hosanna, what I love is that this is not the first time that we will hear the word Hosanna in the Gospel of John, and that's some hints for stuff to come. And so what I want us to understand is, how has God saved you this week? What do you need God to set you free from? How has God provided for you? And what are you thirsty for? And so these questions are opportunities for us to sit with one another in our small spaces today and to have conversations that bring glory to God and almost encourage our souls and help us to actually begin to embody some joy because we're hearing in these ways in which God is active and at work. Because coronavirus is not the enemy of all time, it's the evil one. And the evil one comes to seek and steal and destroy and to steal our joy. And so as we meet together in these small breakout rooms, I want us to almost bring up a fervor of joy. If you have some branches tied together, beat them into the ground in joy as we have an opportunity to share together. So we're going to give you a few minutes to be in the groups. Actually, maybe I should pray. I'll do that. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for the beautiful story of the Exodus. And thank you that you don't just leave stories left in antiquity, but you bring them and you call, them, you call us to live these stories out. Father, thank you for calling us a free people who have been given the gift of the Spirit, who get to embody joy because our circumstances around us don't dictate our happiness, but the fact that we are safe 
in you does. Jesus, thank you for your death on the cross that frees us, that brings us into new life. And thank you for the good news of the gospel of Jesus that sets our feet a dancing. May you be with us as we fervor up joy in our time together. Even if it's hard, Lord, give us those moments where we can see you at work so that we can encourage ourselves and one another. So Holy Spirit, may you mess with our hearts today and bring joy to our lives. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.